What's happening, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of The Beautiful Hustle. It is New Year's Day, and we are kicking off season two of our podcast today. I'm your host, Philip Procopio. Well, hello, Mr. <laughs> Philip Procopio. I am your co host, Miss Jessica Saunders. We are really excited to be kicking off season two with a three-part takeover featuring Miss Virginia Meyer. Welcome to the podcast, Virginia. Well, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me to be with you today. Absolutely. We couldn't think of anyone better to kick off 2021 um, for the podcast and the entire salon and spa industry. I feel like you're such a wealth of knowledge and we all need to learn how to do things a little bit different this year. So we're excited to be able to facilitate that for people. I'm really excited too. And I'm really excited for a brand new year. So happy yeah. new year, everybody. Yeah. Happy new year. <laughs> I, we are so excited. I mean, I think everyone's ready for 2020 to be over. <laughs> right. You think? Yeah. So I think we should just uh, kiss 2020 goodbye and bless it for all its lessons right? and carry all that goodness into the new year and just be really excited that we can continue to create. Absolutely. Well, we're going to do a three-part series that we're airing over the weekend um, featuring three different subjects. But before we dive into today's content, I would love for you to share a little bit with the listeners about who you are, how you got to where you're at in your career, and just give us a little highlight reel of how you found the industry and what the journeys looked like for you. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Well, um, let's see where to start. It was a long time ago, better than 30 years ago. I think probably 34, 35 years ago. You know, I have to just pause for a second and do that math every time we start a new year, but it was a while ago. And I started answering the telephone in a salon in Minneapolis and I fell in love with what hairdressers do. Um, I am not a hairdresser. I am absolutely a card carrying hairdresser groupie. I think <laughs> hairdressers are the most powerful people on the planet. And I knew sort of early on, uh, because I loved what I saw in the salon that, that wonderful energy, that connection between craft and energetic exchange. Mm -hmm. I knew early on that I wanted to spend my career in salons and with salons. So I became a manager of that salon. And then I became a partner and one location turned into two and two locations turned into three. And along the way, I had the chance to meet Horst Reckelbacher. And this was mm. way back in the day. Yeah, there were, I think, like six products in the Aveda <laughs> product line at the, at the time, um, including a colored hairspray oh. that turned, seriously, that turned everybody's um, the inside of everybody's bathroom purple. We got tons of complaints about it and had to I've stop producing it right that. away. But um, anyway, I, I met Horst and I fell in love all over again. This idea that how we look on the outside is connected to how we feel on the inside. And he, what he was talking about was so different. At that time, nobody was talking about a haircut as an experience. Mm -hmm. And nobody was talking about this inside outside connection. And absolutely nobody was talking about products made from plants and flowers. So I fell in love all over again. And I became the general manager of what was then 
Horst and Friends <laughs> salon. I know it was crazy, right? It was, it was the eighties. So, I mean, we had like, I don't know, seven salons maybe. And I led 400 hairdressers. It was insane. Wow. I know it was so busy and wonderful. And then from there, I had the chance to spend about um, 12 years in 12 or 13 years in Aveda distribution. It was independently owned at that time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think I, I did what you do, Jessica. I, I spent my time helping salons be successful and absolutely loved that. And then from there was invited to come inside when Aveda was acquired by Estee Lauder. I was invited to work as the vice president of global education for Aveda and oversaw Aveda's education operations worldwide. And then from there, I met my business partner, uh, David Adams, who is mm-hmm. a hair colorist. Some of you guys may know him. Yeah. He was yep, one of the many who helped create Aveda Hair Color. But um, we saw sort of an opportunity on the color side of the business. Uh, it was just developing at that time. And we really wanted to help salons be successful with the hair color side of their business. And so we left our corporate positions and opened a consulting company called Red Chocolate. Oh, and actually, yeah, yeah. yeah, I didn't know you were affiliated with Red Chocolate. Uh, it was our company. It, oh, yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Oh. My last salon, we were very into Red Chocolate. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So, so maybe like, d- maybe did we come to your salon, Philip? Was, was I there? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> this was like it around, oh, gosh, it must've been 10 years ago that years we did ago. That. Yeah. yeah. I, that is, I did not know that. And I never made that connection. And you just added another layer of love for you. Not that I needed another layer, but oh, uh, that was, so that's sweet. a really fantastic company. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you. Yeah. We, um, we wanted to really see salons do better with hair color and colorists do better. Right. So, um, yeah. And so then from there, we had always had this vision to have a salon because we wanted to, to have a showcase or a show place for all of the concepts that we taught in Red Chocolate. And um, so we, uh, David wanted to move back east. He was doing editorial hair. And so we kind of looked in New York for a salon location for a while. But man, if we could find the right location, the rent was too high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the right location, the the, the the rent in the space was just, oh my gosh. So we sort of gave up on it. And then um, on that piece of the vision. And then just, and this happens all the time, right? Just <laughs> as you're, you're ready to set it aside, something shows up and this location just absolutely fell into our lap. And it is um, a beautiful location in Tribeca in New York. Mm-hmm. Our salon is called 14J because mm-hmm. we're at 14J street. And so even though we don't teach, we have people come to us um, we'll come in and they'll train with us if, if, if they want to do that, we'll certainly open the salon and, and support them. Uh, but when we fo- started focusing on the salon, we kind of set for, uh, set red chocolate aside for just a little bit. And, um, we've just been working hard, really hard, like all of the other owners that are listening and all of the other hairdressers really hard on, on the business itself. And I've maintained a consultancy on the business side of the business all of these years and have been involved most recently in the creation of the virtual business Academy, which has been just a grand and wonderful journey. And we've had the chance to be able to reach 
lots and lots of salon owners and managers worldwide, successful business principles and operational principles. So I really feel, um, gosh, I don't even have a word to describe it. I feel so damn, excuse me for swearing, lucky, <laughs> because I've seen, seen the business and participated in it mm -hmm. from its various facets and experienced how much it has to give. And I love that I get to connect with people like you who are so passionate about helping hairdressers and salons be successful. It is truly um, in, in my consultancy. It's our reason for being. It's what we do every day at 14J. So having a chance to just have a chat with you and share more of the love mm -hmm. really feels great. And uh, again, I just really want to thank you for giving us that chance. Absolutely. And I could not have a conversation with you without acknowledging the um, impact that the business college has had on my accounts and on so many people. And you, oh, it truly, you. truly was a resource that was needed. It connects, it lands, it changes lives. Um, I've had people you know, be able to put their kids through college and pay off buildings or buy their building. There are so many success stories that probably don't make their way to you um, oh. that you really should know that it, it's been a really, really amazing program and it's uh, making a difference. I love that. And I have to give, we started the business Academy as a live experience. And then of course, when COVID right. hit, we, we scrambled and pivoted kind of the buzzword of the moment, but mm -hmm. like everybody else, right. To figure out what to do. And without the support of the salon people, Tom Petrillo, my colleagues in the Business Academy, Deanne Wilkins, who is a genius and someone who makes numbers feel so comfortable for people who don't naturally like numbers mm -hmm. like me. And Tim Belcher, the brilliant owner of Whole Salon Spa um, in Florida, without that collaboration, um, it, it has truly been a labor of love. And what's best about it is that as people come through the academy and we share knowledge and we share best practice, it just gets better and better and better. Because really, all of us are working on the same thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And none of us has all the answers. So it is this brilliant collaboration that keeps us strong and healthy and growing. So thank you for that. Yeah. I, we, we appreciate it very much. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's changed the business that I'm with right now. Um, we, started right after quarantine with the business academy and TSP and we've integrated multiple mm -hmm. things from both and it is it is it just like you said it makes everything easier it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it and you we were just able to implement right away totally totally and i i um i think gosh it, it's so um you know we we work in this business where it has to feel really good it's got to feel good, yeah. but, but you also have to have this great operational structure. Yeah. And mm -hmm. sometimes we think that those are in opposition, mm -hmm. but they're not. That's just a point of view, you know, and yes. if we can get our mind around really solid operational systems that ensure profitability and also executing them in a way that keeps everybody feeling good and feeling an ins inspired 
that's that's really the ticket. So that's our intention with the Academy. And I'm sure that we're going to continue to do future sessions. And I'm just so happy to hear that the tools are being used and that people are loving it. That just makes my day. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I feel like we may need to book another episode. Oh, I'm already <laughs> all on the Business Academy. I, you know, we'll we'll catch you after today okay. because I know we've got some great content yeah. for today. But um, absolutely. Let's do something on the business academy so everyone yeah. can kind of see the depth of it that would be awesome yep. Yep. and what a great like you were saying the the balance of the operational side to feeling good so this is a good uh transition into today's topic which is balancing feelings and facts and this one speaks heavily to me because for the longest time i thought of myself as more of a fact-based base person and I'm very logical and I like to think very linear and I don't let my emotions get in the way. And then um, several years into my career <laughs> was pointed out that that is not in fact the case. <laughs> and I kind of had to come to terms with the, the fact, the fact that I'm an emotionally reactive person. And so um, in order to become a better leader, I had to really learn how to balance the two. And it's, it's definitely maybe not a daily struggle for me anymore, but it is still something that I have to keep in the forefront of my mind. And so I've heard you speak a lot about connecting feelings and facts and all those things. So what does this mean and why is it so important? Yeah. I mean, I really resonate with everything that you just said, Philip. I think all of us have our unique and powerful strengths. And when we play to our strengths, we are playing at our highest level. And the thing about our brilliant strengths is that when they are in overdrive, our strength in overdrive is also a little bit of a weakness. So it's Mm -hmm. really important that we hold a vision for the whole of us, which, which includes, you know, all the things that we love and make us feel good. And it also includes a little bit of the sticky bits, you know? So, um, you know, when we think about balancing fact and feeling, I use this all the time when I coach my team, because I want to have the most powerful conversations that I can possibly have with them and make sure that we feel good doing it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what happens is, you know, um, not every hairdresser loves numbers. Some do. And I think Philip, you're, you're sort of one of those people, Mm -hmm. right? You you really like, like numbers, right? So I, I, I kind of avoid the glaring generalizations that, you know, hairdressers don't like numbers or whatever, because some do and some don't. Mm -hmm. They're, they're just people like everybody else. But when you look at how our business really functions, there's the feeling component. But think about the work we do behind the chair, right? It's the combination, or that hairdressers do. Um, it's the combination of this great technical skill and this great people skill. Mm-hmm. And we have to have both together. Sometimes the hair is easy and the person's difficult. Sometimes the person is Mm -hmm. easy and the hair is hard. And if you extend that thinking, the same thing applies in our business, right? We have to have great facts that tell us how we're doing. And we have to add to that the feeling that is driving the behavior that is creating the result that we're currently getting. And so in our company, when we think about making any decision, um, any 
any decision. It, it, it could be anything, uh, changing our hours, for example, or maybe it's a structural or a process change. We always think about the fact side of things. And then we always think about the feeling side of things. And we try to look at those two things um, together and strike a balance because um, any one or the other imbalanced kind of creates an imbalanced that the imbalance that um, can potentially be problematic mm-hmm. if if we're weighted too much on the feeling side, you know, and we're yeah. not paying attention to the facts. That could be really difficult, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and uh, we might not know where we are in our business. We might not know um, how to make good decisions, and that applies to both hairdressers and to owners and managers. Absolutely. And if if we weigh too much on the fact side, um, we might drum out all the emotion and all of the creativity. So we're always trying to find that great balance. So Virginia, a question yeah. I have as you're talking. So facts, I feel like are, it's so funny now I'm like saying facts and feelings, I'm thinking of, <laughs> but facts I feel like are easy because they're usually um, a measurement or something I can see or something I can track. It's not, there's not a lot of room for interpretation. Whereas yep. feelings, there's, so much that goes into what somebody's feelings are around their subject, their personal experience, their history. Um, all the feelings can be so unique to the individual. As somebody who works with a larger team, when you're incorporating feelings into these conversations, how do you navigate the variety of feelings that people might have on one particular subject? Yeah, well, for sure, we're all snowflakes, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and we got to honor that. Um, I always try to to come from the other person's point of view first. So, um, you know, my my mind went two places when you asked that question, Jessica, because what came up for me when you were talking is, if you look at a number, and I don't care what it is, let's use new guest retention as an example, because that's something that um, for hairdressers, it's something that we owners talk to about all the time. Mm-hmm. So that number, that fact, whatever it is, comes directly from a behavior or something that we're doing. That behavior comes directly from something that we're thinking. And that thinking comes directly from something we're feeling. Mm -hmm. So paying really close attention to the feeling is super important. And I always start by checking in on the feeling first. So... Um, you know, when we get ready to sit down with our team or just to do a check-in or whatever, it's always, always, we ask four questions. And the first question is, how are you feeling? And then we zip it and we listen and, um, want to create the space and the grace for whatever needs to come out to come out mm-hmm. and, um, really encourage that. Um, you know, how are you feeling? How is it going for you? You know, um, some days are easier. Some days are tough. You know, what's, what's the toughest thing that's happened. And then the next question that we ask is, um, what's the hardest part for you? And we listen. And then we ask, well, what do you want to work on? And then we listen. And then we ask, Hey, what questions do you have for us? Mm -hmm. And then we listen Mm -hmm. and embedded in the answers to those questions is a little golden door (laughs) that opens that allows us to talk about things like um, new guest retention 
or um, retail per service ticket or something on the fact side of the business. That is just a reflection of their behavior, right? So a number is just a number. Seven just sits there. It's not good or bad or right or wrong. It's the story we're telling ourselves about it that makes it good or bad or right or wrong. So we got to get we got to get in at the story level, right? Because mm-hmm. we want people embracing the whole of it. Our job is to help them fulfill their dream. And to do that, we have got to put money energy in their fuel tank. Mm-hmm. And to put money energy in our team members' fuel tank, we've got to talk about the things that create success, right? So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't know if I answered your question. No, you did. Absolutely. <laughs> but it leads me to another thought. And that is, what are the consequences or what are what are the results that we'll get to if somebody isn't balancing these facts and feelings? What happens when this balance becomes upset? Well, it shows up right away and we all live it every single day, right? It shows up in how people predominantly, I think about um, how people react when they experience some kind of stress or they're triggered in some way, right? So um, we all have people who are in our environment who respond to stress or triggers differently. Um, Some totally shut down, some bite, some, um, you know, give us a kind of a surface answer. Oh yeah, great. But that's we're over not here really smiling <laughs> because you said some shut down and my eyes got big looking at Phil and then you said some bite and his eyes got big back because I, I bite you shut down. Yeah. I bite. I bite. I'm a biter and I don't mean to be. And, um, so I think, I think it involves creating space in your culture Well, first of all, you know, we have to give everybody enough space to have a bad day because we're not automatons, right? We're not just perfect all the time. So, but if something happens and it needs to be addressed because it's impacted another team member, it's impacted a guest or something like that, um, kind of our rule of thumb is to address it. If it's something that needs to be addressed, to address it right away, gently, and always to start with the questions. You know, Mm -hmm. hey, this happened today. Tell me about it. You know, and, you know, whether or not you're conscious of it, this is how what happened made so-and-so feel, or this is how, you know, the guest perceived it, or whatever it is. Because we have to get people... gosh, we're just prickly feeling human beings. And when we bump up against each other all day long in an environment where we're trying to create such good things for our guests and trying to be so supportive for our team, we also have to learn how to be in discomfort mm-hmm. and to be in conflict. And yeah. that's that's something that we don't really work on, right? And I love uh, that you mentioned in there whether or not you're a it was an intentional or whether or not you're aware of it. Cause sometimes it doesn't matter what the intention was because mm-hmm. this is how it's being experienced. And I love that you bring that into that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think most of the time we don't know, we don't mm-hmm. know. We, we can't possibly know our, you know, our eyes only look one way, our ears only hear one way. And when we speak, it only goes one way. That's why, you know, <laughs> if I listen to this podcast and listen to how I'm so- I sound, I'm like, oh my God, I don't sound like that. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> well, the, the same thing happens um, when we react and it's impossible for us to see how we might impact others because we're only thinking about ourselves in the moment. Because all we feel, all we feel Mm -hmm. is the frustration or the hurt or the anger 
or the discomfort or whatever it is that we feel in the moment, that's, that's almost kind of, and we react, that's almost kind of blinding us to how it might be interpreted by someone else. So we need our coaches, right? We need those beautiful people to kind of hold up the mirror and say, wow, I know that really, that really upset you. I could really tell. So let's talk about that. And wow, did, did, how do you really want, how do you want to feel in a situation like that? Let's talk about how you could handle it differently. And, you know, how do you want others to feel around you when stuff like that happens? Because whether you're, you're conscious of it or not, man, you know, mm-hmm. you get a little bitey or you get a little mean. At least that's how I interpret Because we all know how people make us feel. So mm-hmm. I am just a big, without playing armchair psychologist. I'm just a big proponent of honest conversation in a gentle way. And I think from a leadership perspective, we as leaders, especially now, especially now, if you uh, are a salon owner, or if you want to be a salon owner, or you have chosen that hero's journey, you are by virtue of saying, yes, I will own and run a salon. You are in the people development business. And as someone in the people development business, we have to hone and refine our skills. We have to, we have to seek out and take classes and hone and refine our skills all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think in um, one of our upcoming, I had some examples of some things uh, in one of our upcoming sessions, we can actually talk a little bit more about that. So I have a question. Um, yeah. Just talking about, um, cause I had a team member recently where we had to bring something to their attention and it just was not being seen. And so how do we navigate that when some, like you were saying, we can only see what we see. How do we respectfully respectful of feelings and facts navigate that to bring someone to see something. And I'm even thinking like behind the chair, client wise too. Cause as you're talking all this, I'm just like, man, this is so, there's so much correlation to a guest and hairdresser as mm-hmm. much as there is yeah. leader to employee. And so, yeah, just seeing like when someone really cannot see what is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, that's great. That's great. So let's, let's put it into context and look at it from both perspectives. So on the leadership side, very frequently people can't see, mm-hmm. um, which is why we kind of have to show up and gently hold up the mirror. Right. And so, um, I think in helping them see what they, they can't see necessarily how they've made someone feel, but they can see and feel the impact of what they've done. Mm -hmm. So always when you're coaching, you're talking about, you're not talking about not being motivated, for example, or the lack of motivation. You're talking about the behavior and coaching the behavior that that results from someone appearing not to be motivated. Yeah. So you would you would coach. Um, you know, can you give me like a? I don't know if you can take the example you just experienced, Phil, and put it into context, or I can create a little example. But it's a it's a subtle distinction, yeah. but it's it's the difference between being able to coach something because you can't really coach an emotion. Yeah. Well, but- I like the example you gave, um, cause this used to be me, <laughs> my, uh, <laughs> my tone and approach, <laughs> yeah. you know, I am a very direct person. And, um, like I said, it was brought to my attention that not everyone needs to hear it very directly. And even for myself, I couldn't see it for a long time. And so 
I love that example. So how would you navigate through that? Yeah. So, um, so I think if I were, um, had been in an an instance where I had either observed or been the direct recipient of, and it was my responsibility to coach you, Uh I would start by just saying, Oh, wow. Let, you know, let's talk about that thing that just happened. Right. And I'd get you to describe that to me. How did that make you feel? What was happening for you then? How do you think the other person felt? And then I'd let you answer all of those questions. And then I'd say, you know, there's something else to consider here. Philip, you are such a powerful, powerful person. And you have the ability to see something in an instant that it takes someone else a really long time to see. And I don't, I'm not sure. I'm just telling you what I notice. But it it feels like to me that when you get it right away and someone else doesn't, it's really frustrating for you Mm. and you can have a tendency to snap. Is that, is anything like that going on for you? Well, that sounds hauntingly familiar. (laughs) (laughs) And then I would say, I would say, so, um, you know, one of the things we all have to learn, not have to learn, but that we want to learn as we grow and develop as leaders is how to play to our strengths Mm -hmm. and minimize our, so, so think about as a leader, think about a ball mm-hmm. and divide it in half horizontally. On the top half are our creative tendencies and on the bottom half are our reactive tendencies. Each of us as a leader has one job, one, maximize our creative tendencies, minimize our reactive tendencies. Like and that. That, that takes being aware of your reactive tendencies and being willing to do that work. And I have to say that, that, you know, um, obviously super successful people are working on this all the time and it doesn't matter what, what they're successful in, right? Mm -hmm. Really successful people get this concept. They're working at it all the time. Um, in order to, to, to work on it, you've got to be willing to do the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So sometimes our job is helping, trying to help unlock that door. And by the way, sometimes that door opens and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. So, you know, and it's even, not a perfect science. Yeah. And even like Philip mentioned that it, it delete the subject of this podcast out. These lessons are applicable to anything because yeah. the way you're coaching to this potential situation with him right now is even common threads to what I hear or read in parenting books. You know, like when you're talking to your children about understanding being responsible for their emotions and how they choose to express themselves. Or if you go into relationship books, your marriage books, or, yeah. you know, like all of this come boils down to human to human interactions and ways that we can enhance those experiences to honor everybody's feelings, but still come to some mutual success point. Totally. And we, we are in a relationship driven business. Mm -hmm. So we are in the business of human relationships, stylist to guest, owner, manager to team member, all of us to each other and on a greater level to each other in our communities and the planet and all of that. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. these are really important things that we learn, continue to learn and continue to practice. I do have, um, like two, two, cause we're talking about facts and feelings, right? Yeah. We're talking about structure and process balanced with the feeling that goes along with it. So in a coaching session on the fact side of things, we always have our, um, 
our coaching tool. If you've been through the virtual business Academy, we have an online one. You could, we're always taking notes. We're always documenting because we want to make sure that we haven't, we have a, if it's that kind of a conversation, we have an operational record, right. Mm -hmm. Of the conversation on the feeling side, we are using all of the feelings that we have to make sure that we're connecting with um, the other person in a way that's meaningful to them. And typically I've found um, in pretty much most cases, unless they're totally shut down or um, completely out the door, man, you know, everybody wants to be good. They want to do a great job. We don't wake up in the morning saying, geez, how can I mess up today? Or how can I hurt people <laughs> yeah, today? Yeah. We want to do good work. Mm -hmm. So when we are, when we create the space to have developmental conversations and we encourage people to drop their armor and show who they really are, we can really create some amazing things and some amazing things in our culture. Mm -hmm. um, also, when you were talking, Philip, the thing that came up for me for like a hairdresser behind the chair is mm -hmm. um, like consultation, right? Yeah. Sometimes people don't realize actually what they're doing in consultation. So there on the, the fact or the process side, it would be all about video journaling someone's consultation and really giving them the chance to see what they really say and do yeah. in a consultation. Um, That's a great you know, idea. Yeah. Sorry. I was good. Yeah. <laughs> I could no, go on and on. I'm no, so sorry. I love that. <laughs> you you got to cut me off. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what I, 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 what I've gathered and something I've tried to do in my leadership style that you've mentioned, like in the beginning with the four questions, you ask the question and you stop and listen. Mm -hmm. And I, for me, I'm such a doer and a fixer. So I, Ten, I can easily get to the point in like a coaching situation where I'm just like, okay, here's all the things you need to do to fix it. Here's a book. Here's a podcast. Here's what needs to be done. And we're good. Right. And I even relate that back to the consultation where, I mean, after so many years of hairdressing, I can just look at someone and know exactly what I need to do. Mm -hmm. But I was just, I think it was a, one of our a recent episode where we recorded, I was saying, I've really prided myself on my consultations and listening and many people after like, wow, no one's ever just listened to my hair needs. And, mm. um, I think that's so important, whether it's leadership or behind the chair, like Jess was saying, parenting, just asking questions, stopping and truly listening instead of just talking. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, there was a great, um, I think it was Rumi, like one of the great mm -hmm. Sufi poets said, our greatest need is to be understood. Yeah, I remember and, that. Yeah, and you, you, can't be, you can't understand someone if you are not present to what they're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if all you're thinking about is what you're going to say next, the game's over. Yeah. You know, all of us have been in the presence of somebody who feigns or acts like they're listening, but they're not. Mm -hmm. And then all of us have been graced to be in the presence of someone who is giving us the quality of their full attention. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels so flipping good. I believe I learned that lesson in fierce conversations where mm. it was the first yeah. time I had heard the definition so black and white yeah. of the act of active listening is listening to hear what they're saying, not choreographing your response in your head. And I don't think I did it maliciously before I had learned that lesson, but I think I so badly wanted to be again, understood or be able to express myself appropriately that I started formulating my answers. Um, and having the patience and 
the genuine interest to listen to somebody for the sake of hearing them, not for planning a response has been a really, really big character shift in me that served me well. Yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful. And if you, you know, peel that, that, the layer of that onion just one step further and you kind of cross into Brene Brown's work, right. Which Mm -hmm. is so life shifting underneath all of that. Like if we're, when someone's talking, if we're thinking, Oh my God, what am I going to say next? Oh my God, what am I going to say next? Underneath that is some, some core of we are tender beings, right? Mm -hmm. Confidence or not being good enough or geez, they're going to think I'm stupid or, I'm afraid or whatever it is. And if we can get to a place in our developmental relationships, especially with our teams, where there's enough trust for people to be vulnerable, which by the way, requires the leader being vulnerable first, Mm -hmm. we have so much power because the people that we're working with are powerful and they are holding the power with their guests. So it's kind of this beautiful, you know, trickle down mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So we have such a mix of listeners, um, a lot of technical service providers, a lot of owners and managers. So can you give us some ideas around what kinds of things a hairdresser could do mm-hmm. to balance feelings and facts if that's the role that they play? Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Um, well, first of all, I, um, I feel like I live my life in service to hairdressers and I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again. And it, it's, it kind of goes beyond words and I don't mean to be geeky. I really truly don't mean to be geeky, but I swear I have seen like a higher power in a haircut. I remember, Mm -hmm. I remember being at a show and I was is it okay for me to name names? Is that okay? Yeah. 100%. yeah. <laughs> Is that okay? I was, sta- I was standing, um, I was at a show and we were, um, in rehearsal and I was standing next to Ray Chavello and mm-hmm. he's been a lifelong colleague and a friend. And we were just standing there having a chit chat and the, the person who was getting, you know, they were rehearsing their segment so he was doing his thing and they're testing the music and they're testing the lighting and the sound and all of that. And all of a sudden his first model comes out and that model had been pre-cut and the music, the, the lights shifted and the music came up and the light hit the model and she walked forward. And it was almost as if the energetic curtain had parted this haircut was so beautiful and ray and i caught it at exactly the same time we looked at each other and went because the haircut was so exquisitely Mm -hmm. executed it was tim hartley's work Mm. it was severely disconnected like severely right so, so, you know, back in the day when disconnection was a really big thing and everybody was walking around with, you know, really short hair on one side and really short hair, long mm-hmm. hair on the other side, <laughs> you know, some, sometimes you'd look at it and go, wow, you know, that really works. And then other times you'd look at it yeah. and go, geez, that's a swing and a miss. I think I got I, quite a few of those swing and misses. The, the swing and a miss. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So this was severely disconnected. And, and it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen mm. because the short side was exactly where it needed to be for her. 
And the longer side was exactly where it needed to be for her. And the space in between was carved exactly the way it needed to be. And it was like having a glimpse to some otherworldly, you know, power. And so I've had that feeling from day one for hairdressers. Mm -hmm. So that is my feeling for hairdressers. What I've also seen through all of these years is time after time after time after time, hairdressers give their power away because they get scared. Mm -hmm or because they lack the confidence to know what to do when a guest looks at them cross-eyed and they think she hates her hair or when they're just picking up an energetic vibe and all of a sudden it feels like the world has fallen out from under their feet. Mm -hmm. So hairdressers, I'm talking straight to you. You are the most powerful people on the planet. This is a craft. It takes a long time to get good. Find your tribe and practice, 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 practice. And know that everything you do behind the chair makes a beautiful impact and it produces a result. So with all of the grace and all of the space, very gently give yourself the privilege to hone your technical craft and to also practice the behaviors that absolutely ensure you will be successful in this business for the lifeblood of your career. Because there are a certain suite of behaviors that if you open your heart to them and your mind to them and you make a commitment to practice them, will ensure you will have the life of your dreams. And they are behaviors like consultation, the best hair. And I've worked with the best hairdressers in the world. They're always practicing their consultation. Yep. Always practicing. So think about that. Always practicing, right? Mm-hmm. Always practicing, not taking for granted that the one that they're doing now is good enough and thinking about ways that they can improve. And I know we're going to be talking about that in a future podcast too. Mm-hmm. So I won't go too far down that, that, no, that you're, path, but you're perfect. No. But I'm just, I'm sitting here listening and I'm like, this is the perfect kind of teaser as to what our next episode is going to be on and focusing on that mastery. Yes, yes, yes. And, and so, um, so yeah, it is, it is all about opening your heart to know the whole of everything and developing hairdressers, the resilience we have to learn as human beings knocking around in the world. One of our life skills, right, is, you know, learning how to hear a no and and recognizing that it's not the answer we want, but it's the answer we got and we're mm-hmm. going to move forward anyway. Learning how to um, deal with a difficult client, learning how to deal with difficult mm-hmm. hair. Those are all brilliant learning opportunities that are just being laid in our path one after another, one after another, one, a- one after another to help us hone and refine our vision and our ability and our craft. Yeah. So um, every single opportunity is just a chance to get better and better and better and better. And so my, I guess my challenge for every single developing hairdresser out there, wherever you are in your journey is, man, man, when it feels hard, lean in, 
just lean in because it's there for you. Mm-hmm. It was created just for you to learn something. Nobody else is getting that moment. And find your people, reach out to your coaches, know that you have got it in you to be magnificent and that you can have the career of your dreams. Hairdressing can take you wherever you want to go behind the chair mm-hmm. with a manufacturer in editorial work. Um, where It can take you wherever you want to go. So, you know, so... I, I don't love know. that. And I love <laughs> that you one. mentioned yeah. specifically the consultation. I, anytime I've ever taught, it can be on anything. And I will say the number one, most more than even knowing how to do highlights mm-hmm. is the consultation. And I've told team members, 99% of redos come back because of a, a fault in the consultation, not because something's actually wrong, but because something went wrong in the console or something wasn't asked or discovered in the consultation. And it is so, I am so such a big advocate for a really good, not long, but a really good consultation. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, and I know we'll talk about this a little bit more in mastery, but I, I just have to put that out there now because of what you said, Philip, you know, do you know that, um, nine, uh, if we sat in a room f- filled with hairdressers, so like everybody play along, how many of you out there feel you give a great consultation? Almost every hand in the room would go up mm-hmm. because we really truly believe we're doing that. Yeah. And so when we asked the guests the same question, only 9% ever felt like they got a mm-hmm. great consultation. Yep. There's such a gap. Yeah. yeah. So there's this disconnect and it's not because we don't we're not well-intended or we don't want to do a great consultation. I think it has everything to do with the quality of that interpersonal connection and understanding that, um, that need to be seen sometimes takes more than how are we doing today? And you know, how's your hair working for you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It requires asking different questions. So that's something I know we'll talk about it more. And also the guest is changing, you know, one size doesn't fit one all one size doesn't fit all one size fits one, but even more so today now than ever before. So, um, I really challenge every hairdresser out there, give yourself the gift of, um, you know, get, get your leader, your team leader, a friend that you trust or whatever, put yourself in a little learning situation and record a consultation. Mm -hmm. But before you do write down how long you think you take in a consultation and what I know, I know. And when we've played (laughs) this game, most people will say, Oh, it's a good five minutes. It's a good seven minutes. Sometimes I take (laughs) 10 minutes. Right. And then we would, we go to record and it's like a minute 90 right? (laughs) You know, because it feels like, it feels like we're taking the time, you know, it feels like we're digging deep. Um, but uh, you know, obviously we have a great opportunity to heal that gap. And I think it's coming right from that need and the desire just to want to create a deeper connection. And we do that through our questions and we do it through taking a little bit more time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, speaking of Chevello, I had the honor of being able to do a photo shoot with the Canadian team several years back. And Ray was saying, um, to the ice was when I was younger in my career and there was a few of us and he was talking to us and he was saying, you know, even at this level, I could come in and I handpick the model. I know exactly what I want to do. I could do whatever I wanted because we're paying them yet. I still do a consultation and he's like, I still sit down and figure out what is going to work for them after this, because 
that's what's most important. Even in editorial work where you could do whatever you wanted, you want that feeling of the model to feel good about what mm-hmm. their hair is. Totally. Totally. Same. And you want them leaving singing your praises. Exactly. Cut, you know, cut bangs we... on me and you cut my confidence out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. She yeah. made me, Jess, I had, <laughs> Jess made me do a haircut on her a few months ago and she hated it. Well, oh. it, I mean, it's not his fault. I showed him a picture of a mannequin that had textured <laughs> hair and I have like five straight hairs on my head and I asked him to cut a full shag. So it is not his fault, but it's true. Oh my God. You know, confidence is so associated with our hair and, you know, the way people carry themselves is so different. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just flipping my extensions around left and right these days. Oh, yeah. Now that I've got my hair back, I've got my pep in my step back and you want that model walking down that runway to be feeling herself. Yeah. Uh, it's so true. It's mm-hmm. so true. And I'm, I'm cracking up because, um, well, first of all, I, I love that you took the risk for something new, Jessica. That's fabulous. <laughs> and, um, it is so true that we attach so much of our identity to how our hair looks. Right. Yeah. And, you know, just one little, little fraction, not right feels not right so um really important that we listen and really important that the end result and i think uh being conservative uh, i think if a guest comes in in and they are just you know i'm sure you've noticed and experienced and i'm sure everybody can relate to this when a guest goes through a change in their life they very frequently would like to change their hair or if they're asking for a big change for their hair they're they something's changing on the inside for them. Yep. Um, always, always great to proceed with caution, right? Because um, you don't want anyone kind of jumping off the emotional deep end, right? They've had yeah. a divorce and they've moved and they want to shave their head. That's probably not how they're going to feel, you know, in a, yeah. <laughs> in a month or whatever. So right. yeah, yeah, part it's, of that listening and connecting. Yeah. It's funny because <laughs> this year, after almost 15 years of doing hair, which I still feel very young in my career, two huge things have happened that made me, because I mean, I think sometimes as a male and I love my hair, but it's not part of my identity like most women. And two things this year with quarantine, I really realized how much women really, really identify themselves in their hair. And I mean, cause when we went into shutdown, we had so many guests were like, I will pay you double yeah. to come to my house and just do a retouch. And I'm like, we're at home. No one's seeing you. What does it matter? And everyone's like, I just want to feel good for myself. And then the other, which, you know, shameless plug was the episode we did with Renee Gadar. And she talked about the black community and, and, excuse me, women, uh, black women's tie to their hair Mm -hmm. and how in ancient Africa, hairdressers were next to royalty. And so Mm. it is, it really, I mean, I've always known that women love their hair, but this year is really cemented in how deep that, how deeply rooted it is in most people, even men, uh, their, their identity. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. It's insanely personal. Mm-hmm. It is an incredibly personal experience. Um, and it is, it's transformative. That's why energetically to kind of circle back to where we started the conversation, you know, Horst was one of my teachers and I had the privilege of growing up in the business at his hip and energetically, um, we have to tend 
the energy of the service along with the fact of the service. And even back in the day, at the end of the day, you know, we would go to the book, the hairdressers would gather around, would sit down and total up what every hairdresser did and, you know, look at how it went for the day. And then correlate that to the feeling that we created for that guest, right? And we're such, um, we're so capable of achieving that beautiful balance and that beautiful integration. When we get a feeling about something, it's really important to pay attention to it and notice it. And that's all part of the, of developing the skill in our work behind the chair to handle whatever sits in your chair. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's just really, really important to, to recognize that those two things, the technical skills and the interpersonal skills together are what create our success and leave our success footprints behind the chair. I absolutely love that. And um, I think that's a perfect way to kind of recap the whole episode that we've talked about today. And Virginia, I could literally talk to you all day, every day. (laughs) I feel like you are just a fountain of inspiration and information that everybody, regardless of the industry or the position, um, needs to hear and will really connect with and grow from. So I thank you so much for being willing to share your gift with us on, you know, such a generous level by giving us three full episodes. Oh my gosh. It's my pleasure. And you guys are so easy to talk with. I just love hanging out with you. So, and all all of your listeners too, thank you so much for just giving us your time and your attention and happy new year, everybody. Yes. Happy new year. Well, I just realized this is the first episode of the new year. This will be our very first one of 2021. Heck yeah. So if you're listening, make sure you stay tuned. We're going to be doing another episode tomorrow with Virginia. Like we said, we're going to be discussing the topic of mastery and what we talked about today. So stay tuned. Thank you so much, Virginia. We look forward to chatting again tomorrow. Wonderful. Thanks, guys. Thanks. All right, everyone. That is our very first episode with Miss Virginia Meyer. I don't know about you, but I cannot wait to go back and listen to this because there is so much good information. It's so good. And there's so much more goodness to come because this is just part one of our three part bonus series with Mm. her. So if you liked what you heard, make sure to hit subscribe, show your podcast hosts and Miss Virginia some love by leaving us a rating and review. Yes. And tomorrow, make sure you tune in. We have part two with Virginia Meyer. And again, you do not want to miss it. Bring a notebook and a pen because you're going to want to jot everything down. It's going to be so good. So until then, stay beautiful and keep hustling. 